The lesson today is the true prophet. And we're going to find this in the books of Deuteronomy chapter 18, Mark chapter 1, and then John chapter 6 and chapter 14. Now, many have come and claimed to know the way to heaven. But anyone who doesn't begin and end with the work of Jesus is absolutely wrong. I mean, God sent his son Jesus both to speak the message of eternal life and to do the work necessary for us to receive eternal life. There is no other way to receive eternal life but through faith in Jesus, who alone has provided justification for sinners. He also, it also a continued and sustained belief in Jesus is the only way to truly know and understand the true goodness and grace of Almighty God. Now, the first point in this lesson is that Jesus, the Word, possesses unique authority. And we're going to find this in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 22, and then Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 to 20. They went into Capernaum. This is reading from Mark. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. So Capernaum is located on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. This city was an economic center in Galilee, and it served as a base of operations for Jesus as well as his disciples. Now, Jesus was in Capernaum so much that in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, the people called it his home. When Jesus got to Capernaum, he prioritized getting to the synagogue to teach. The synagogue served as a meeting space for the Jews, mainly on the Sabbath day. There they would gather for worship, prayer, and a teaching from the Old Testament. It was customary for visiting teachers to be invited into the synagogue on the Sabbath to teach the people. Even though Jesus had no formal training in the law, he taught in the synagogues and was considered a teacher. As Jesus taught, the Jews gathered in the synagogue were astonished at his teaching. The Greek word for astonished carries the idea of knocking people out of their senses and causing them to feel great emotions like fear, wonder, and joy. What was amazing about Jesus was that he taught as one who had authority. The Jews were using the teaching of the scribes. The scribes didn't teach with authority. In fact, the way that the scribes validated their teaching was typically by referring to other scholars. Now, this is not so with Jesus. He didn't need any extra biblical evidence to pr prove the validity of his words. He was actually his own reference and source. The authority of Jesus over Scripture was evident to all, even his opponents who constantly tried to explain away his teaching. Now, reading from Deuteronomy, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. But the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. That's Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
verses 18 to 20. Now, in Deuteronomy, as God was giving instructions to Moses, God told Moses that he was going to raise up a prophet from among Israel, and that that prophet would have the words of God in his mouth, and he would speak everything that God commanded of him. His words would be the very voice of God, so much so that anyone who didn't listen to the prophet's words would actually be held accountable to God himself. Now, prophets would come before the prophet that God was describing, but not all of those prophets would come by the command of God. Some would even speak in the name of other gods. False prophets were to be put to death in Israel because God doesn't take lightly those who lead his people astray. The prophet God spoke of in Deuteronomy chapter 18 actually is Jesus. He fulfilled the role of prophet being the son of God and the ultimate authoritative teacher of the word of God. In him are the very words of eternal life. Jesus, God's ultimate revelation of himself to humankind, is the word and the final revelation of God before the coming of the new kingdom. We don't need further revelation as God has given us all that we need through Jesus. Now, Jesus' words are the words of eternal life because through faith in Jesus, we have all that we need for salvation. Now, the second point today is that Jesus, it's the word, provides eternal life. And we're going to find that in John chapter 6, verse 66 through 69. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, let's, let's understand who the twelve are. Though, though Jesus had many followers and disciples, Jesus really had a very special connection to his twelve close disciples, whom he chose possibly being a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel. This band of followers was privileged to be part of his inner circle to whom he revealed more truths. They were his friends as well as his confidants. In John chapter 6, verse 54, Jesus said that in order to receive eternal life, his disciples must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Upon hearing this teaching, many of the disciples, those who had been following him until this point, went home, either not fully understanding what Jesus wanted of them, or not wanting to be fully obedient to such a command. It sounded harsh at first, demanding their all and full commitment. Those who left were those who followed Jesus because they saw his miracles and heard his teachings, but their astonishment actually never turned to faith. Right before the focal passage, Jesus said he came from heaven and he is the bread of life. Anyone who will eat of it, alluding to accepting and receiving Jesus' broken sacrificial body as a payment for sin, receives eternal life. Many disciples found his teaching very difficult to believe and accept. So they turned their backs on Jesus and headed home as if Jesus was out of his mind. Now, the gospel, though it is good news, can be considered offensive sometimes. It's offensive because the message of the gospel says 
that we can't possibly be good enough to save ourselves. No one really wants to hear that he or she can't be good enough to be accepted. But we can't be good enough? But we can't honestly be good enough. Yet Jesus was good enough on our behalf. We must place our faith in Jesus in order to receive the justification that he alone offers. Every time the gospel is preached, the invitation to surrender to Jesus is extended. There's no such thing as an indifferent response. Everyone falls into one of these two categories. Those who believe it to be true and show that believe that belief through their faith and works, and then those who don't. Now that choice is a difficult one for some, as many of us don't want to let go of the control that we actually feel like we have. After many of his followers, followers abandoned him, Jesus asked his disciples, You don't want to go away too, do you? Peter asked Jesus, Where else would they go after seeing that Jesus taught and did things that proved Jesus to be the Holy One of God, a title of Jesus also found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but made only by demons who clearly knew who Jesus was and were afraid of his power. Now, Peter's use of the phrase alluded to what Isaiah said no less than 30 times about God being the Holy One of Israel, who redeems and saves his people. Peter then said that Jesus has the words of eternal life. Only through Jesus can eternal life be found. Even as others who were following Jesus at the time turned away, Peter knew there was nowhere for him to go. Salvation is in Jesus alone. Now, Peter's last statement sums up the heart of a true believer. Belief and acknowledgement that Jesus is God and Savior brings salvation and eternal life. A simple yet challenging statement. As believers, we have a choice to make between the truth of Christ and the false truths of this world. What will we choose? So when Jesus asks if, he, asks if he wants us to go away, may we answer like Peter and say, where else can we go? We have come to believe and know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Eternal life with Jesus is really what we're made for. Jesus makes it possible for us to have eternal life by reconciling us to his Father God. Now, the last point of the lesson today is that Jesus, the Word, reveals the Father. And we're going to find this in John chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, in context, Jesus told the disciples that he's going to prepare a room for them in his Father's house, and he would return and take them with him, for they knew the way. Thomas then said that they didn't know where he was going, so how could they know the way? Now Jesus' answer to Thomas' question is an authoritative declaration of the truth, telling him as well as the other disciples that Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life necessary to get to God. For no one goes to the Father except through him. Right from the beginning of Jesus' statement to Thomas, he declares himself to be God. The words, I am, come from the Greek equivalent of what God told Moses 
at the burning bush. Jesus declared to them that the way that the way the way had come and the way was through him. As the way, Jesus provided reconciliation between God and man as he served as both our propitiation and high priest through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. As the truth, Jesus perfectly revealed not only the way to the Father, but also the Father himself. As the life, Jesus provided for the resurrection of our souls because those who died with Christ will one day live with him forever. There is no other way to God. Many people will say about absolute truth doesn't exist when it comes to God because all religions lead to God. There are two primary problems with this line of thinking, though. One, the statement refutes itself because being a statement of absolute truth. Two, every religion claims their way to be the one way to God, and they all contradict each other. If Jesus says he is the way and Buddha says nirvana is the way, well, they can't both be right. Jesus' claim to be the only way to get to God differs from all other religions because every other religion essentially says that you have to do something in hopes that what you do is good enough. Jesus says that you're a sinner who can't be good enough, but you can be justified through his finished work if you place your faith in him. Jesus ended his statement to Thomas by declaring himself and the Father to be inseparable. All throughout the Gospels, the concept of Jesus and the Father being one was something the disciples really didn't understand. Truthfully, no one really understood what Jesus meant. At one point, some Jews even picked up stones to stone Jesus because of his declaration of being one with the Father. They saw this as a blasphemy because they completely missed that the Son of God, the prophesied Messiah in the Old Testament, had actually come. We have a completed Bible today that tells us all we need to know about Jesus for salvation. We who have surrendered our lives to Jesus also have the Holy Spirit who illuminates and lights up the truth of God's Word to us. The Holy Spirit guides us in the knowledge of truth and also convicts us of sin. The Bible makes it clear that the only path to God the Father is through the Son, His Son, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we have all that we need to see and know the Father. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just lift up the hurting and sick today and raise them up and restore them. And I pray that you'd be with those that um, have a relationship with Jesus, that you would just send the Holy Spirit to guide, illuminate his, your word and light their paths. And I pray for those that might not know Jesus that are listening to this lesson, that, Lord, you would send the Holy Spirit to open their eyes so that they can see that Jesus truly does love them and that he laid down his life on the cross for just for them to cleanse their record of sin so that they might be with you, Father, eternally. For it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen.